Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 42 of the IT Career Energizer, a weekly podcast where I chat with inspiring IT professionals, consultants, and experts from around the world. To find out more about the podcast, visit itcareerenergizer.com. And remember to subscribe to get new episodes automatically downloaded to your device. And now let's chat with today's featured guest, Rex Black. Rex is president of RBCS, he is a testing leader, providing consulting, training, and expert services. Rex has helped clients from small startups to Fortune 20 global enterprises apply testing best practice in a wide variety of development life cycles. Rex is also a prolific author, having written 14 books and dozens of articles over the past 20 years, as well as being a past president of both the ISTQB and the ASTQB. So Rex, can I ask you to expand on that rather brief career summary? And tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, I think that did a real good job of uh, <clears throat> summarizing things. Uh, the one thing uh, that I might add to that is that uh, what I've seen is that um, having worked in a lot of different industries and um, a lot of different projects from gaming to safety critical medical devices is that uh, there's really more in common across such projects than one might think, which uh, was kind of an interesting learning to me. And may be interesting to your audience as well. In terms of other things to add about that, about the bio, I'd say that, um, you know, I uh, spend a lot of time traveling. I go to a lot of different countries, uh, work with people uh, around the world, and uh, that's that's a very interesting part of, uh, of the work that I do as well. Can you share a unique career tip that the IT career energizer audience need to know and probably don't? Well, I would say that uh, probably the most important development over the last decade in software and systems testing is the the need for testers to be more technical, to be able to participate in the technical aspects of the uh, of the project, to be able to do automation and to do other uh, other kinds of technical tasks. So I'd say that's. That, that's probably the biggest thing for uh, for testers these days is uh, you know get get more technical. Do you see that as a continuing trend? Um, obviously, with the greater use of maybe automation tools over the last sort of fifteen twenty years, that's become more prevalent. Do you think that's a, an ongoing thing? Yeah, I think it's not only ongoing in that particular direction, but I think it's actually expanded out in a number of other directions too. Uh, I think the the, the, the sort of mantra of DevOps and shift left and continuous integration, continuous deployment, uh, all of those are things which are fundamentally enabled by various kinds of tools from static analysis tools to uh, various kinds of build and deployment tools to white box code coverage tools and test automation and all sorts of different levels, not just the graphical user interface. And so I think the level of technical insight that's necessary is is really uh, above and beyond what one would be referring to if like 20 years ago you were saying well I want to I want a tester to come in and do automation 
Because at that point, you start talking about a tester coming in to do automation, the immediate thought, which is not a great thought, but it was the immediate thought would be testing through the graphical user interface, automated testing through the graphical user interface, which I always thought was kind of a wrong turn from a technical point of view and a testing point of view, but that was the dominant um, uh, way of thinking about what it means to be a technical tester for a number of years. And I think over the last decade, that's really changed. Can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Well, I, I, I hate to admit this, but in my defense, I will say this was a long time ago. Uh, I was actually one of those bad people that believed that all tests should be automated at one point a long time ago in my career. This would be in the early 90s. I was young and foolish as opposed to being old and foolish. And um, <clears throat> I came from a background as a very technical tester where we were doing operating system testing and inherently uh, those tests did need to be automated, most of them. And so that really was my focus. And plus I had a computer science degree. So I was a programmer by by training and, and by profession to some extent, having paid my way through college as a programmer. So I tended to see testing through the, the uh, lens of focus on what can be automated. Uh, and what that did in, in one situation is it led to a very uh, efficient set of tests that we were able to run very quickly. In fact, it was what we implemented would, it looks a lot now, what is now called a continuous integration framework with built-in automation. That was basically what we had. It took a little longer to run, and it wasn't exactly the same tools, of course, but it was that same kind of thing. We were quite proud of it, and we focused on adding more and more tests into the uh, uh, the repository and having those run as the builds were done. Unfortunately, what that did was that left out certain tests that were inherently not automatable related to things like usability and installation and some other aspects of the system we were testing. And um, so we, we under-tested those areas. So what, what I learned from that <clears throat> was you, you don't want to let efficiency be the only driver, and you definitely don't want to let technology and automation be the only driver. You have to start with a smart overall testing strategy and then come up with an automation strategy that supports that strategy and then automate what makes sense to automate. It was basically a matter of learning, you know, learning how to prioritize those things. And, uh, you know, was starting, starting with the technology and the automation was just the wrong way around. Yep. Can you maybe take us to your IT career highlight or greatest success? Well, I, I guess I'd say that one of my... Um, Career highlights would be the publication of my first book, Managing the Testing Process, in 1999. That's uh, that's a major milestone, and it was even to the extent that that is now publishing a book is a, is a, still a milestone for anybody. It was even more so then. I think books were seen as more important, and more people uh, spent time reading them. Of course, there were not uh, the same proliferation of blogs, and there was no YouTube at that time. So I'd say that was a highlight. Founding my own consulting business in 1994, looking back at it was a highlight. Um, now that you know we're 23 years on and business is still going strong. You know, of course, at the time, it seemed like a 
like a like a flying leap at a at a trapeze then I'm pretty sure there wasn't a net underneath me but uh, I seem to have grabbed onto it and uh, and then managed to uh, make a go of it I've actually spent uh, way more of my career working for myself than uh, working for other people which uh, is is I th- I think something to be proud of either that or it speaks to my absolute incorrigibility as an employee <laughs> So what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? Well, I guess I'd say that the, um, you know, what we see, of course, is that uh, IT is just going to be absolutely everywhere. You know, there's that famous quote, I forget if it was from the chairman of IBM or one of the similar companies back in the 50s about, you know, no idea why the world would ever need more than 100 computers or something like that, right? And, you know, now, you know, we're at a place where we, we had, what, what was it, four, 4 billion IP addresses available to us, and we managed to run out of those and had to expand the, the IP address space, right? You know, so, um, the, the, you know, this, it's, it's IT everywhere. Um, and uh, it's an interesting and, you know, both um, inspiring and also potentially scary because, you know, on, on the one hand, you have the the visions laid out by people like Kurzweil, who are talking about things like the the convergence and so on, and and then you know on on the on the other hand, you you get uh, the Terminator series and you know <laughs> Skynet and so forth, and of course, it's, it's always the case that between the rosiest of scenarios and the bleakest of predictions is what ends up happening, right? Yes. But I think what's interesting about being in software testing and quality at this point in time is that. Uh, we're 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 still able to define what that profession looks like and help move software engineering towards a true form of engineering which it's definitely not now but needs to become and uh, it's just it's really um it's it's an amazing time to be in the industry you know i've i've told people this before of uh it it'd be a great time right now to be in um aeronautical engineering um especially if you're working for say NASA or uh Virgin right um building spacecraft um and it'd be a great time to be a civil engineer too if you look at some of these just astounding building projects that are going on but the thing about being an aeronautical engineer a mechanical engineer a civil engineer is that the the basic tenets of those of those fields of engineering are, are pretty well understood. Now with spacecraft, there's probably stuff left to learn and discover, but uh, certainly civil and mechanical engineering, you know, they're pretty well understood things. You can not to say you can't accomplish a lot, but, a lot, but you're playing within well-defined boundaries in, in this, in it right now, we're still defining what software engineering really is. And so we are defining the, the profession and, and we were in that unique position we're going to be able to define the profession and, you know, future generations will do all sorts of wonderful stuff, but they'll be, uh, they'll be coloring within the lines that, that we define. Okay. We're going to go into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Let's go. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? When I started at UCLA and engineering school, um, I was originally, um, studying to be a nuclear engineer, um, so I was going to be making making power plants. Actually, I was <clears throat> I was in the Air Force ROTC at that point, so I may they may have been per, uh, expecting me to help them make bombs. Um, but 
I took a computer science class as part of my engineering studies and just immediately loved it. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. I can boss a machine around and it actually does stuff. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was my first kind of attraction to it. And then I realized, oh yeah, and you could make a living at this. And, um, not only can you make a living at it, I, I learned enough in the first few months of studying it that I was able to get a job as a programmer at a, a small company that built uh, financial applications. And I was actually working as a programmer. So I paid my way through college, um, learning my career, which I thought was a nice bonus. What is the best career advice you've ever received? One of my earliest managers, back when I was still an employee, before I started running my own company, Betty Nimi, told me, and, and a number of other people, with regard to things kind of coming off the rails on a project, she said, panic early and avoid the rush. <laughs> um, you know, by which she meant, right, take, take preemptive action to he head off things that might turn out very badly which is just another way of saying a stitch in time saves nine, but I think panic early and avoid the rush is a much more clever way of putting it. So I'd say that's probably the best uh, advice I've gotten. It saved me a lot of grief. Yep. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? Well, right now. So right now being I'm beginning my career in 2017 as opposed to 1983, um, and it is a little bit different now in the sense that, um, you know, I think, you know, at the time that I was, I was learning programming, primarily the idea was software runs on computers and computers sit in data centers and data centers are, you know, these sort of places insulated off from the real world. But where we're going to now is software runs on computers and computers are everywhere. And so that means that there are I think a more interdisciplinary approach of, you know, learning more about electrical engineering, learning more about mechanical engineering, those would all be good things. And of course, also learning a lot about security because security is going to be big. When I got my computer science and engineering degree, I did learn a fair amount of electrical engineering because we had that as part of the curriculum. And I learned a little bit of mechanical engineering, but if I had it to do now, I'd be even more electrical engineering, even more mechanical engineering, and a huge dollop of, of, of security, system security. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? Well, you get to the uh, point that I've gotten to in my career, you know, objectives get to be a little, a little different. I mean, I have a, have a successful consulting company that I've been running for over two decades. You know, I'm I'm looking to obviously keep that going um, to uh, remain relevant to our expert services and consulting and training clients. So keeping keeping current on technologies, getting smarter about how to deliver services. You know those those kinds of things. So it's it's pretty pretty incremental at, at this point for me, and I and I think that's atypical, or at least maybe it's. It's it's something that's unique to where I am with my career and the fact that I'm running my own company. I, I think that you know somebody who is is younger, you know, may well be in a position to look at more disruptive and 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 different you know uh, new career objectives for them. And what's the number one non technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? My ability to write. I 
did did very well in writing in um, uh, high school, and um, you know, even though I studied engineering, I took courses that required writing reports. And so the the ability to to uh, convey ideas effectively in writing has been very useful to me, uh, both in terms of you know as a manager being able to uh, report findings and and create plans, and then ultimately being able to write articles and books. And you know, it um, there's something especially about writing a book when you've done it a few times. It really it's, it it creates a a skill in your brain that of of being able to summarize you start you start thinking and talking in paragraphs rather than sentences or parts of a sentence and i, I think that's 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 it that's the 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 most valuable um non technical skill that that uh, helped me with my career Rex, can you share a parting piece of career advice with the i t career energizer audience sure. I'd say that we are in a, uh, a very um, dynamic, fast-moving time, not only in terms of technology, but methodologies and expectations and connectivity and so forth. So whether you are approaching your career objectives from a sort of an incremental perspective like I am or a discontinuous perspective, uh, it's, it's definitely very important that you uh, remain focused on where things are going and how to be relevant and um, how to participate effectively in, in organizations, um, you know, as, as these changes continue to play out. And change, change is always a little difficult to predict. And we're, we are now in a period of, of literally exponential change in a lot of different ways. Um, and exponential changes are even more difficult to predict. But uh, trying to, uh, to, to stay as current, as relevant, as informed as possible is key. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and potentially connect with you? Oh, yeah, that's easy. There's a lot of ways to connect with me. So I'm on LinkedIn. I'm happy if, if somebody s- uh, sends me a connection request, says, hey, I listen to your uh, IT Career Energizer podcast. I'd like to connect with you. I'll certainly do that. There's a website, rbcs-us.com. There's the RBCS YouTube channel, uh, which I highly encourage people to take advantage of. There's over 600 recorded uh, webinars and keynote speeches and other kinds of videos out there that people can take advantage of, um, all absolutely free. And there's also uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook, which are are good ways of... uh, of connecting with me and communicating with me in, in short bursts. Rex, thank you so much for joining me on the IT Career Energizer podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. It's been a pleasure, Phil. Thank you for the opportunity. Hi, Phil here again. Don't go away because I've got an update for you before I end today's show. But first, a quick thank you to Rex Black for sharing his advice and experience in today's episode. As usual, you'll find a show notes page for the episode on the IT Career Energizer website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e42. As you may have heard on one or two previous episodes, I've been planning to make changes to the show's release schedule. And the update is that this begins this week, with the start of episodes being released on both Mondays and Wednesdays. This is the first step in the development of the show, 
with more to follow over the coming months. So to make sure that you don't miss the first Wednesday episode, simply subscribe to the podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play or whichever streaming service you're using to listen in. My guest on Wednesday's show is Suzanne Robertson, who is a founder of the Atlantic Systems Guild, as well as co-author of the book Mastering the Requirements Process. It's really interesting to hear about Suzanne's career and how she found her way into the IT industry, so a great episode coming up. As I've said before, it takes time and effort to put the podcast together, to attract great guests and to keep it going, which means audience growth is essential. I'm really grateful to everyone who has helped and continues to help me develop the show. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for your support for the IT Career Energizer podcast. So until Wednesday, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.